On today's episode of the Nifty Nick Show, I am thrilled to have on Space Cowboy of Top Shot Fund. You've likely come across him on Twitter where he's been documenting his experiencing purchasing Top Shot, CryptoPunks, and Bored Apes. As an NFT collectibles collector, I had to bring him on to discuss this space. The show is all about learning from those with skin in the game, the world of NFTs, and as usual, today's guest is no exception, so let's get started. If you're looking for some crypto, you just found the right spot. We wrap it up, one of a kind, NFT straight to the top. Now don't go trading based on comments, we provide in this show. It's not investment advice, but our picks do tend to blow up. Like a rocket, they say. Many people have compared it to people's every day. So if you're trying to figure out what's going on in this space, please do not worry. Your boy Nifty Nick is hot on the case. Yeah. And we're back. Today, I'm here with Space Cowboy of Top Shot Fund. Thanks for coming on. Thanks, Nick. Great to be here. Uh, so I thought maybe we could uh, kick things off to sort of set the context around, you know, um, how you got involved in cryptocurrency and nfts sure cryptocurrency i first invested in bitcoin back in 2013 i think it was around 800 dollars a coin bought three of them at my young age since then i've been lightly involved throughout the different um bubbles and crashes 2017 i've traded like um shit coins like everyone else and then more recently, late last year, I, I always read Fred Wilson's blog. Um, he is an investor in Dapper Labs and Top Shot. That led me to Top Shot. I put the equivalent of that three original Bitcoin that I bought back in 2013 into the platform. And that's since gotten me all the way up to over a million dollars worth of NFTs. So that's been my kind of journey since then really that's that's an awesome journey i'm sort of curious is this a full-time hobby of yours or you're like retired and you're uh just doing this uh, all the time uh it's turned into a full-time hobby right now i have nothing else on my plate except uh posting on twitter and collecting nfts but um you know i worked in consulting to start then i worked at a big tech company then did the startup thing Coincidentally, my startup kind of came to a halt around the same time NFTs were taking off. So I've taken this as the opportunity to kind of go full hog into something that I love and that I'm passionate about. I don't know exactly how it's going to turn out. I haven't like collected any cash flow from it yet, but I, I that's the goal eventually. And I, I think that's something that's unique about this kind of bull run in crypto. The, la- the last bull runs... They didn't have NFTs, so you couldn't put a character behind yourself. You couldn't, like people talk about Ready Player One style. Now everyone can have a character they can play with in this game of crypto or or life, whatever you want to call it, really. Yeah, uh, so I definitely want to discuss the characters aspect of things. I'm, I want to... Or I'm, I don't want to discuss the art in depth, but I am curious, is that also an area that you're playing in or are you mo- mostly like in terms of portfolio, uh, I, obviously you're very heavy top shot, um, but uh, is art part of that portfolio? Is it more of just like, and when I say portfolio, I don't know what your experience is with collecting art, but mine is uh, definitely like oh, I actually like this thing, and so now I just kind of want this. Like, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, 
I'm not going to lie, right around when Top Shot was taking off, so was Nifty Gateway, and I threw a bunch of money on a credit card into different drops. And, and I did like the art at the same time, but I also thought it was kind of, oh, let's make some money here. The Nifty Gateway investments have not turned out as great, really, if we're being honest. Um, but I, I've come to appreciate art, for real. I think I can confidently say that now. Through NFTs, which I never expected, I now fully appreciate art and the beauty that it entails. And it really made me understand, I think it's Kevin Durant's famous quote about basketball is art, and he considers himself an artist. So from collecting top shots to collecting one of ones on Super Rare or Nifty Gateway, you are collecting art, which I think is fantastic for everyone, really. Man, it's pretty incredible. Uh, well, the story about <laughs> when you say when you said that uh, I, I really appreciate art now in the context of, of destruction of Nifty Gateway, it's like so I put in a bunch of money. It's not worth anything now, and I've come to really appreciate that. It's that it's true. I mean, <laughs> I think it mostly comes from some artists that I've built a relationship with on Twitter DMs, really. And that, you know, I'm happy to own their art, whether it's worth a dollar or a million dollars. Yeah. And same goes, I think, for a lot of people. If it's monetary gain that had brought me here, I'm happy to stay for the art that's worth nothing or something, you know. And I plan to hold the the little, the few pieces of art that I do own, I plan to hold for a very long time. That's for sure. Yeah, which makes a lot of sense. Uh, I had on Maddie from DCL Blogger uh, yesterday, and he was discussing his purchases of art and he treated it initially like land, um, which uh, digital land and that you could flip into and out of, you could uh, make a profit and then go back and buy again. Uh, but in the case of art, he said he did that once and it was a major mistake and he'd never do that again because really what you're doing is buying and investing in the artist, which, um, which is a great way to approach it. I, I really like that. And it's cool because I've now gone and like printed a couple of those pieces and, hang it on my wall and I can say, man, this is uh pretty dope. But uh, yeah. W one thing to add there is my mom is actually, um, a docent at a museum and she would take me to the museum and I'd be like, Oh, this is boring. And now I'm like in engaging conversation with my mother who's 75 years old about art. Mm -hmm. And she's like blown away that I actually like have an appreciation for it. And I had never collected physical art before NFTs. And now I've, bought a couple physical pieces as well so it, it, it really when i say i now appreciate it it's, it's true yeah i think it's expanded the art market but i so in terms of collectibles i want to take things back there which is so you dove into a uh, top shot you've now grown this portfolio it sounds like you've basically 10x let's say your your nft portfolio and so what like what has that process been like when you started with Top Shot? Did you go immediately in? You said three Bitcoin, but like, did, did you immediately say, I'm going to just go buy all of the early ones right now? Were you more, I'm assuming there was methodology there, especially the fact that you came from consulting. Um, I don't know if you made a PowerPoint deck right before that, but <laughs> <laughs> like, what, what was the approach? Uh, I had this three... Um three-tiered framework that I use to perfect my <laughs> purchase. No, I'm only kidding. Um, I I learned from, I had the benefit of learning from people in the traditional collectibles market. One of my close friend's brother is a avid sports card collector. And we got some advice from him on the collectibles market. And then my friend and I had good 
insight on the crypto side of things. So our approach was to go for the highest, most rare assets we could as quickly as possible. So we made a list of the number ones, the rares, the legendaries, in terms of Top Shot, what we wanted to buy. And then we, we went down that list and like mo did most of our purchases off-market from the likes of Pranksy and some other whales in the Top Shot early game. And that allowed us to build a foundation. And obviously, if you're familiar with the Top Shot market, it's been in a bear market for a while, uh, a few months at this point. It's starting to rebound a little bit. There's signs of life. But the, the best assets on the platform have been the ones that retain their value. So it turns out we were correct to go for the most legendaries and the rares of the best players to start with. So that's the LeBron James, the Zion Williamson's, the John Morant's, the Luka Doncic, um, and a bunch of other players, obviously. Yeah, and that seems to make a ton of sense. Well, yeah, strategically. Uh, before we actually jump more into that, I am curious... So did you just migrate all of your cryptocurrency into NFTs? And is that like you're just like an NFT like primary investor at this point? Yes, I would say so. I, I have no crypto except ETH when I have some ETH from selling mm -hmm. some NFTs. But I think it's something people can grasp a lot easier. People, you can own a coin and you can like be a link marine or, or whatever it may be. And you try to add some character and memes to all the investing, but it's baked in with NFTs. It's like there's no differentiation between the coin and the meme. It's one and the same. So I find it a lot more enjoyable. I think it's a lot more entertaining. It's a lot more fun. There's a lot more community involvement. And it's easier to build a personality around them than it is to build a personality around Bitcoin or, or Ethereum. Obviously, there's the Bitcoin uh, maxis and the Ethereum maxis that will only preach that, and th they're fine to do that. But I like diversifying in culture and NFTs, and it's a lot more fun for me. Yeah, and I completely agree. And it's it's hard not to enjoy having an avatar, a character. There's depth to the whole experience. It does feel a little bit ridiculous talking. Well, baseball cards and basketball cards, those are something that I think are more familiar to something like Board Ape Yacht Club or something like that, where then like, how do you assess the value of something like that? And I, I, I do want to jump into that for in a moment, but I, I want to uh, stick on Top Shot for a second. So when you're assessing your portfolio right now, and let's say you go through the bear market, are you seeing, are you still seeing liquidity? Are you still trying to trade? Like, what's the duration that you're trying to hold these uh, pieces for? So... Right now, my strategy is very much a hold and or a trade to better pieces strategy. So there's a couple great analytics site, uh, sites out there, Moment Ranks and Evaluate Market. And they'll give you a pretty good uh, understanding of what the current market rate for your collectible is. And, and it's, it's hit or miss depending on how liquid it is. My strategy obviously was to go for the higher tier stuff, which is a lot less liquid. But we do have a lot of pieces that are more liquid. And so right now we're willing to trade some of the more liquid stuff for the less liquid stuff with the thought being once the bull market comes back, we'll be better positioned and we'll have cornerstone pieces that other people won't be able to access at that point. And, and yeah, getting getting access to the higher value pieces is great. I'd like that maybe from the board ape standpoint, uh, like if I had one, which is my avatar and that one piece, then I'm like, okay, that's cool. Cause I can like, I'm holding on to this. Like, this is just me at this point. 
it seems a little scared. Like I would be much more scared from the standpoint where like I've now migrated this portfolio from like crypto is going up and down like this. And yes, there's not much personality behind it. And there's not much depth when you're talking about the price of, you know, just uh, an arbitrary asset going up and down versus something that looks cool. Uh, but on the flip side, there is an immense amount of liquidity in Ethereum and Bitcoin. And no matter what the price is, you can always get out uh, and get into uh, a position there. Not so the case in NFTs. Many of the NFTs that I hold today, it's not like I'm getting a ton of bids, a ton of price action um, in that in in that particular space. So, so, yeah, like how how do you? Well, it sounds like at this point it doesn't matter. You're sort of like if it, you're you've accepted the fact that it's a less liquid space. And so, what duration do you think about with something like that? Is that something that's years? So some of them will definitely be for years. I think the, the way I think about the market more generally is that unless you're living under a rock, NBA Top Shot is the most successful NFT project to date. And if you think about it, they've I'm going to get the numbers off a little bit. They have around 500,000 active wallets that have ever owned a Top Shot. They're still in beta and people like, to, oh, it's been a year. They're still in beta, yada, yada, yada. It's true, though. Like they don't have a full feature set. They haven't started integrated marketing with the NBA. And when they do that, it's going to just bring a rush of people that we saw in January at, for the first go-around, January and February, when the likes of ESPN and Good Morning America started doing pieces on Top Shot for the first time. Take that times 10 when Dapper and the NBA feels comfortable and confident enough to to put the pedal on the to the metal. And... and that's going to overflow to every other NFT project if it's a quality project or if it's a high-quality artist. Um, so I think we're still very much in the beginning. And the, the, the move right now is to position yourself for when Top Shot and hopefully more games or other sports leagues or other big brands and IP around the world bring people into NFTs themselves. Yeah, and I, I love that thesis. That makes a ton of sense. And uh, like, they didn't do this just for the NFT people. <laughs> like, like, Top Shot is is made for. And frankly, uh, you know, when I had a bunch of people at my work, coworkers that were saying it, that they're buying Top Shot stuff, they don't know anything about board apes, CryptoPunks, anything else like that. They don't know anything about. Uh, they they may own Ethereum. They may own Bitcoin. That's about like the extent of um, their involvement. But it is interesting, like that thesis does make a ton of sense. And frankly, I mean, I agree with it because that's why I'm doing that. Like the, the presence of this podcast inherently is based on the fact that this market's only beginning. So I'd rather be at the fr at the front of the wave and, and ride it rather than uh, uh, come later in the game. And this may be the second, you know, the. I, I feel like 2017 was wave one, where this is wave two, but we had that now we're gonna actually really start seeing things pick up over the coming 12 to 24 months. And frankly, a bear market's great for everybody to just put their heads down and build rather than rather than get caught up in the hype because it's um, it, it's it's very distracting. Yeah, that's my take. It doesn't matter if the bear market lasts another three weeks, three months, or three years. I'm positioned to capture that upside whenever the bull market returns. And I frankly don't think there's ever truly a uniform bear market in NFTs. There is in Top Shot right now. There is a Nifty Gateway. But 
not in Bored Apes, yeah. not in other projects. So it, it's much more of a diverse project by project market than it is like, oh, Bitcoin's down, oh, Ethereum's down, we're all fucked. Like, no, we're not. Because you can hedge yourself across a number of different projects that are quality and have quality community beyond them. Yes. And uh, I mean, some of them are very nascent. So it's, it'll be interesting to make this, you know, an assessment at various intervals over the coming months, years um, to, to see how, how these different places evolve. But so at what point I noticed, so you have um, a piece and you have a Substack that you write. Uh, you've written a couple of uh, articles at or newsletters. And the first one, I think, was about uh, your purchase of a CryptoPunk. So you was that your second uh, sort of foray into, like, w was that the, the next collectible that you moved into? Yes, the, ne the next big one. I bought some art and other collectibles in between. But the infamous Top Shot user Dingaling uh, came onto the scene to buy a bunch of number one serials and rare pieces. So I liquidated some of my Top Shot in an effort to buy a CryptoPunk. And I was evaluating the market. And this was like right before the Christie's auction. So, and I was thinking to myself, I want a CryptoPunk that you can tell a story around. And I found, and that I could afford, of course. Uh, I couldn't afford an ape, couldn't afford an alien, obviously. So I found... What I can, what I've since branded as the Space Cowboy, I bought for eighty-two and a half Ethereum on in late April, and so it's been a little over a month. It's about six weeks since I've owned it. I've written three Substacks, one on the purchase, um, one on the Board Ape Yacht Club, and then one on a Top Shot giveaway that I closed it out with. And I'll write more as it comes along, but I'm not gonna force it. I'm gonna wait and see what makes sense to write about. Because I, I, and then maybe eventually I can turn this into a self-sustaining media company of sorts that has skin in the game. And I think that to me is one of the best aspects of the crypto economy is that everyone has skin in the game and it's transparent to everyone. So you, you could hide behind your avatar, but you can't hide behind the blockchain. So you can see what people are buying and selling and for what prices over time. And, and it's really interesting. It's a bunch of, I studied economics in college and there's, it's infinite economics experience experiments going on at the same time, which is fascinating to learn from and study from. Yeah. It would be interesting to be able to see and get alerts on now. Everyone has multiple wallets, I think is one, is one aspect of it, but especially for the large collectors, I should say, I don't know about the, you know, uh, the pranksies of the world and stuff like that. I'm assuming have multiple, although theoretically, if you're moving it around, I mean, you, you need to keep it completely, totally distinct. Otherwise, if there's ever any intermingling uh, game over. Um, but I, I'm assuming there's got to be like monitoring tools or something else like that to sort of pick up early on what uh, people are beginning to collect. If there aren't, someone's definitely building them. Yeah. Um, I think monitoring wallets of whales is would be a profitable strategy if you want to do the fast follow game. But it depends on what the project is. Sometimes that won't be a possibility or not. And everything's, for the most part, pretty much in the open. Like, when someone makes a purchase or puts a lot of ETH behind a project, they tweet about it immediately. So it's not like you can gain that much of an edge by monitoring wallets. But 
you can probably maybe a couple hours edge if if you're lucky. So it, it's interesting. Everything moves so fast. It, it really does. And that was the case with Bored Apes. So I feel like you were actively promoting it also, like with, with Bored Apes. I'm not sure. Like what was, when did you jump into that? Was that like the same night that uh, Pranksy and Jimmy like decided to like start buying up um, that space and it sold out? Not quite. So as part of my CryptoPunk purchase, I put out a call for, I would spend five ETH on concept art for the Space Cowboy. One of the things that came across my way on Twitter was from the Board Ape Yacht Club, and they made an honorary ape for the Space Cowboy. I saw it, and then I tweeted about it and minted one ape. I minted ape number 289, so there had been 288 already minted. This was on a Wednesday. And then I tweeted about it. A couple people in the Top Shot Twitter family like also caught on and then started minting them. And then the Board Ape team made a couple more honorary apes for Girl Dad and, and Labor James and a couple others. And then from there, two days later was the Friday that Pranksy and Jimmy started going really hard at minting all of them. And then it, it sold out late into Sunday or Saturday morning. Yeah, I know. Uh, I was... Uh... I, I couldn't fall or I couldn't sleep and I kept I came out and I was like messing around on my phone and saw that uh, they were they were basically minting all of it and I was like uh, there may be there may be some available tomorrow tomorrow um, and I w- woke up again middle of the night checked it was sold out and I was like crap so I just went on OpenSea I bought it at 0.14 uh, instead of um, you know, 0.05 or whatever they were they were going still, for, but yeah, still looking pretty good right now. Yeah, they were going for 0.08. In yeah. my strategy, when I first got the free honorary one, which is separate from the 10,000, I was like, I'll mint one as a thank you for them making that. And then I wanted to mint more, but I didn't want it to seem like, oh, I'm pumping this thing. But because I'm still early in the game, I'm still trying to figure out what is appropriate and what isn't. Yeah. So then once Pranksy started minting thousand of them on Friday night, I was like, well, screw that. I'm just going to mint a bunch more myself. So I minted 12 more uh, during that frenzy on Friday night. And then I've since sold nine or ten of them. But I, I have a couple left. Interesting. So you decided to sell out, uh, I guess, one, I forget the basketball player that jumped in, but uh, there were multiple people saying that he's uh, pretty effective at calling the peak. Of uh, <laughs> I think that was me that said that. Uh-huh. It was uh, LaMelo Ball. I yes. tweeted a picture of his tweet on February 22nd, which was the top of the Top Shot market. He's like, what's up, fam? What are these Top Shots all about? And then I was like, just as a joke, I tweeted that, and I think he did kind of call the top. I mean, the local top, if you will. I still think there's a ton of room to run. The Board Apes are a crazy community, and I love every bit of it. I'm yeah. a big fan, big fan. So, Well, from that standpoint, though, why, why sell out in that case? You just want liquidity to go buy other stuff? Yeah, I like to be early on stuff, earlier, if you will. Um, it, I'm a small fish in this pond if we're talking in reality, so I'm not too concerned about it. I think people know where I stand, and I'm pretty transparent about it. And I like to find early projects and support people from the ground up, and that way I have more ETH to do that. It does make a lot of sense. I was sitting there, and I'm like, how long am I going to—I only have two. And I'm sort of like, I like both of them. And so I'm like, well, now I'm like stuck in this project. Like, there's no, there, there's no exiting this for me. I could sell one— and and have have some money, but I'm sort of like, well, might as well ride this to 
10 ETH and see if that, like, it, uh, if it, if and when it gets to 10 ETH, it will not be a straight line. I'll say that. Yeah. So it's up to you how you want to play that. But it's different with avatar collectibles. If you truly start using it as your identity, it's a lot harder to sell. Like, I don't even know what I'd sell my CryptoPunk for right now. I definitely would at the right number, but it's a lot higher number than what the market would actually pay normally, if that makes sense. I mean, one number to throw out would be around $11 million, which is... <laughs> well, <laughs> of course, of course, of course. Yeah, I'd be uh, more than willing to do that, of course. Yeah, um, although that's for an alien, but now now they're like, oh, people actually do want this. Interesting. And we're able, now that um, I think Sotheby's was willing to accept uh, cryptocurrency bids, and I think they managed to get some DAOs uh, involved. I don't know that it's come out who bought uh, Silly Tuna's uh, CryptoPunk yet, but... I think it did come out. It was oh. one of, it was the largest shareholder of DraftKings. So oh, really? In the DFS space, I believe. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's really interesting then. I, I figured it would have been a cryptocurrency person, but... Um, no, it's just more proof of what Topshot has done. I can't say directly that that person came in from Topshot, but I guarantee a lot of DFS people came in to Topshot via the Jonathan Bales article in January. And so it's kind of been a trickle-on effect. They were all in crypto before that anyway. But in terms of getting into NFTs, I think that was the first kind of watershed moment for everyone in the DFS space. Um, Sorry, DSF? DFS, Daily Fantasy Sports. Okay, got it. Um, I, I never I, I never used that, <laughs> that um, acronym. I'm not a DFS player, but some people are heavy into it and can make a lot of money doing it. So, um, yeah. Yeah, requires a lot. That was like the guy who bought the, I think, won the CryptoPunk auction from uh, Christie's. Uh, that guy was, a, well, no, he was a sports gambler. So he would go to uh, casinos and actually just bet on, and I guess bookies, um, and just bet on these different um, deals. And he knew, you know, what, what the pricing should be. Right. Yep. I, I don't know anything about that. And I don't know that I want to spend all my time <laughs> focusing on that. No, space, I mean, but. it's just another market that likes money and speculation yes. above all else really yep so okay so what are you um when it comes to other new collectibles today uh, are there any that you're looking at and uh, what sort of stuff are you do you look for um and when you you know you were mentioning that you minted at that point in time is that the phase that you're looking at for most new collectibles is to actually be minting rather than uh, your strategy that you've discussed with Top Shot is I'm going to buy uh, the top pieces, essentially. Yeah, with Top Shot, I wasn't around in the early days when you could, quote, mint the the, the premier collections. But, um, yeah, so I love to mint. And then if I'm going to buy in the secondary market, I will buy the more rare uh, traded pieces, rare trades, um, just because... I don't want to pay multiples for stuff that people were minting for way cheaper. Just frankly, I don't have enough money to do it really. Um, so yeah, but in terms of what I look for, I look for the right technology. So that's ERC 721 tokens, ideally hosted on IPFS, but not all of them are. Um, I look for signals from people that I trust on that front since I'm not technical myself. And then I look at how cool the art looks, the aesthetics of it. If I think it passes my amateur art 
connoisseur test, then I then I'm willing to to do it. And also just the general reading the vibes of all the people on Twitter, basically. So and Discord as well. If you're looking at a project, it's best to follow them on Twitter and f get and join their Discord. Ask questions. Everyone's so accessible. You can ask as many questions as you want. For the most part, people will answer them, and they're happy to do it. So, and if you can gauge that whatever questions you can come up with they're in you're getting the right answers it might be a project that's right for you yeah i definitely uh, agree with that i've had some uh, collections on well i do um also written interviews on my uh, publication and i've done i've done interviews with a number of collectible creators and it's it, usually i'm like before i'm even publishing that making an assessment of like is this community like actually worthwhile and do they actually seem like they're in it Ever since Bored Apes, now we I'm seeing an absolute boom. There already was a boom in collectibles to a certain degree, but I'm seeing a boom in like more structured, organized collectibles. I'm seeing more maturity out of it. But it, it simultaneously is like, man, when I think of how many web development uh, companies there are, how many illustration uh, agencies there are, it, it seems obvious. Like, any of them could throw something like this together in a fairly like short period of time. And so now the, the real question is like, well, a, how are board apes going to look in that market when it's like wildly saturated and everyone can get the collectible that they like, you know, exactly the one that like has the style that they like, cause they have uh, hundreds to select from. And, uh, and like what makes one community different from the other you know, at that stage of the game, if there's suddenly, if the market of collectible cre um, collectible collectors expands to the tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands, um, millions, when we're at millions of people that are that are buying it, I don't know how you how you're differentiated at that point. It's, it reminds me of the days of I don't know if you played Pogs back back in the day. A little oh, bit, I, a little bit. <laughs> so, so like. Pogs or any, frankly, any card at that point, even baseball cards, you're like, oh, like, because there were a million brands of like baseball cards that you could buy um, from, from Fleer, Upper Deck, Tops, whatever, name it. And that those were some of like the, the main ones. But then there were these like side ones that did really creative stuff and you could go buy the whole box and it looked really good and you'd show it to someone. Like, it's difficult at that point because suddenly there were so many people creating them. It, you're, you're, and I, I feel like a child cherishing my bored ape at that point. Which is no, it's a fair point. I, I think so. If you look at the bored ape trajectory, it took them about it. It never went off the cliff or anything, but it was a slower growth period until their merch drop about a month after their launch, and then it really went on a new trajectory. So, in a month. You can be a member of their Discord and see how things are transpiring. How accurately is the team following their roadmap? How how quickly are they able to execute against it? How far are they projecting into the future? Are they meeting your expectations? Are they meeting the community's expectations? And that way you can get a sense of like, are they do they have staying power or do they not? And are they rising to the occasion when there are challenges or are they not? And it becomes pretty obvious once you've done it enough and looked at enough projects, whether or not that's the case. Yeah. And that definitely makes sense. And I completely agree. Um, especially, yeah, just monitoring the discord and seeing that 
the Board Apes is unique compared to a lot of the others with the full commercial rights in it. It'll be really interesting to see, like, do they end up signing a deal? Like, can they sign a deal with like uh, with a Netflix or some place that creates cartoons uh, that that for, for these different things? Like, how does that relationship work with the individual collectible holders? At least that's one advantage that a, a Larva Labs or something like that has over um you know, this specific project, but yeah. Yeah, I mean, I honestly think the opportunities are endless in terms of how the project can monetize. Uh, the merch drop was just one example of what yeah. can happen, and, and they frankly don't care how other people monetize their own individual apes. They have the rights to the broader brand and all of things that are associated to that. So, and then say they were to get an offer for a cartoon or a movie, they could bring in individual apes and give them revenue share, but still collect you know, most of it. Yep. I, I completely agree. I think the way that they're approaching it is just brilliant. And I'm like, let's see what happens. You know, I could go make a few thousand dollars, you know, flipping my, my apes, but like, I, I, it, <laughs> I, I like, I, I actually have a job still. So, so, so that's <laughs> that I, I also make, I have income. So it's sort of like, do right. I don't need, I don't need this thing. Might as well just like, Right. Let let it ride. See see what see what happens. Keep keep the chips. It's a good project to let it ride on. I'll say that for sure. Um, okay. So if people want to um, follow you along, it seems like the best place is Twitter and your Substack. Is that correct? Yeah, my Twitter and my Substack links in my Twitter bio. My Twitter is at Top Shot Fund. T O P S H O T F U N D. Sweet. Well, I really appreciate you coming on and, uh, you know, discussing the, the collectible space as a whole. Um, is there what you know, what uh, is there any new project that you're excited about that hasn't launched or anything else like that that uh, you're paying attention to? I hesitate to say anything right now just because things move so fast. But if you follow me on Twitter, I'll be sure to talk about it. That's for sure. <laughs> All right. Great. Uh, definitely pump your bags. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll, everything's transparent. I'll always be pumping my bag, so you don't have to call. You don't have to call me out on that. Awesome. Uh, I will as well. So, <laughs> I, I, exactly. I, yeah, I really appreciate you coming on. Yeah, thanks, Nick. That's it for this episode of the Nifty Nick podcast. And if you made it this far, make sure to subscribe at thenifty.com. Thanks again.